I smacked my stick back and forth against the sidewalk, hoping to irritate the slush-covered cement as much as I was irritated after the call with Carla and our new friend, the detective. I could hear the kid hurrying to keep my pace, doing his own tap-tapping just behind me. I slowed to let him catch up. Sorry about lunch, kid. It's okay, I was done anyway. What's going on with Carla? Oh, Carla's just being Carla, going off half-cocked while playing the dutiful role of cock of the walk. I stopped in mid-stride and pulled out my phone. Unable to manage the stick and a call at the same time, it took innumerable swipes, jabs, and a fair bout of cursing before the kid gently removed the phone from my hand. What are you trying to do? Call Lash. I whacked at what felt like a bush with my fuck stick. The reverb against the stick told me its sad tale of being brittle and bare. I heard two clicks, and the kid handed me back the phone. Yeah. How would you feel about relocating from a shitty hotel in Detroit to a shitty hotel in Reed City? Okay, sure. I didn't like the swiftness of his reply, nor its sickly underpinnings, and told him as much. Come get me. Don't you have surgery tomorrow? I marveled at how Carla could cover all her bases as far as need-to-know-more-know information being disseminated to the appropriate parties while simultaneously upending an entire town's dirty laundry hamper. Not anymore, I don't. And don't you dare call Carla. My arrival will be on a need-to-know basis. Meaning, she doesn't need to know I'm coming to drag her sorry ass out of there before she ends up in a ditch on the side of a snow-covered country road. Why, what's going on? Carla's in Reed City on a mission that has nothing to do with the mission you and I are headed there for. And I'm just hoping these missions don't intersect in any way because she's already managed to piss off the lead detective with the state police. It sounds like she's got a 30-year-old unsolved murder and a bug up her ass to solve it. I'm starting to dislike her, Porno. I stabbed the phone a few times, dumped it in my coat pocket, and took a couple more whacks at the barren bush before heading home. When we got there, the kid helped me pack, mainly because I took two minutes to toss a handful of dirty clothes into a duffel bag and then deposited myself in the recliner with a fifth of scotch to wait for Lash. Morno, you don't have any pants in here. All I feel is a few pairs of underwear and three shirts. I hope that smell's coming from the shirts. I'm wearing a pair of pants, kid. They'll do. The extra shirts are just window dressing. Most nights I fall asleep in what I'm wearing, wake up, and go on wearing them the next day. That's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Yeah, when you boil it down, life is just a tedious slog through socially required hygiene and grooming rituals strung together by moments of horrifying lucidity. 
With that in mind, know that when I change my shirt, it's only out of rote obligation. By my count, the kid asked 12 times if he could go with us, and that was before Lash arrived to pick me up. He asked again three more times in the car, and once more after the back door slammed and I heard knocking on the passenger window. I pressed the button and heard the ice crackle between the window and frame as it labored downward. Are you sure I can't come with you? Final answer. This one's going to be a mess any way you look at it. But I can't keep you out of the line of fire if I can't even do that for myself. Once we were on the highway with a little over an hour driving time ahead of us, I called Muggs and told him he was off duty the next day. There was a fair amount of hemming and hawing when I suggested he call the doctor's office and cancel for me because I didn't have the number programmed in my phone. That hemming was followed by more hawing about how I was being blatantly irresponsible with regard to my eyesight. Okay, okay, point taken. I assure you, Muggs, I am heading to Reed City with one directive in mind. To grab my secretary and get the hell out of there. Tell the doctor I'll reschedule in a day or two. We both understood a day or two meant a couple weeks because we were bearing down on Christmas, and unless I started bleeding from the eye sockets, I would not be able to schedule surgery until the doctors all dried out their holiday cheer and staggered back into work after the new year. Lash blew his nose as I disengaged the call. I pecked at the thing with the pad of my finger until I got back to the main screen where I could better navigate. I decided to call my assistant and get an idea of what she was up to in order to have the upper hand. Huh? So, how are things? Things are fine, you. What are you doing, Carla? Oh, I'm reading more now. Man, this city was a mess when that girl was murdered. I was not even two pages into my reading when the city manager was fired in the middle of a council meeting. It was so freaking awesome. It reads like a soap opera. The guy walked out and he was screaming over his shoulder about going to the press about how Reed City operates. And then the superintendent of public works tossed his keys to the mayor. And do you know who they appointed to temporarily fill the city manager position, Morneau? No, but I feel certain I will in a second. The woman who was playing the role of city clerk and treasurer also known as the deceased woman's mother, Marlene Stott. She was the only one present who wasn't an actual elected official, and apparently elected officials couldn't hold the city manager position, so I think it was just sort of a band-aid at the time, given that the embezzlement investigation was already going on in her office, but it wasn't public at the time, so my guess is they were scrambling behind the scenes, trying to figure out how bad it was before the shit hit the fan. I tracked down an arrest report on the woman who did the embezzling, she's dead now, unfortunately, so I can't talk to her. But at the time, Marlene was also being targeted by some of the council members. And the weird thing is, her mother, the dead girl's mother, she wrote all of this, you know? She was the city clerk, so she took all the notes that I'm reading. Her name is literally signed at the bottom of each page. It is so weird when you consider the context, you know? Sounds great. I got what I wanted. Namely, that I knew Carla was holed up somewhere reading. Hey, I don't remember seeing any motels when we visited the first time, except that shitty flea bag dive across from the grocery store. Where are you staying? That shitty flea bag dive across from the grocery store, which is disgusting, by the way. I was checked in by two very stoned teenagers. The heater in the room doesn't work, there was no toilet paper, 
I will be barricading the door tonight. And I was only here about a half hour before the city police came to escort my neighbor off the property. There was something about unpaid child support and a set of stolen rims. Okay then, have fun. I suggest sleeping fully clothed so the bedbugs can't finagle their way into your orifices. Gotta go. I've got a hooker named Giselle, an eight ball and a few hours to kill before surgery. So don't bother with a 99 phone call. She'll tuck me in. When all this is over and you two are back home, you've got to rely on Carla for help. I know you don't like it, but that's the ugly reality. Lash, that woman's about as reliable as a warm, wet fart, and I don't care to discuss her or reality right now. Let's talk about something more pleasant. Tell me what you know about the bathroom bomb. Basically, a grenade method tripwire rigged to a pipe with a shotgun cartridge inside. They tied the high-tension wire to the grenade pin, ran the excess wire across the bottom part of the inner door, and fastened the other end around the knob so the wire moved with the door as it opened inward. The piece they got from the hardware store was a rubber fitting that looks like it clamped the grenade to one end of the pipe. The other end was screwed into a hunk of 2 by 4 to keep the thing standing up. Feds say it was pretty crude. Pretty effective. I took a long slug from the bottle I'd brought along for the ride, then screwed the top back on and reached around to set it in the back seat. I had to arrive in Reed City with my head on straight. It wasn't going to be easy getting Carla to come home. No amount of physical exertion on my part or lashes would be enough to remove her from the situation, so we'd have to talk her out of it. I figured our chances were about 50-50. I'd make that 60-40 her way. Getting her drunk seemed as good an option as any. She gets sloppy when she's drunk. I didn't think Lash and I together would be able to physically drag her to a vehicle while she was sober. Carla's too scrappy. I'm pretty sure she'd bite if given enough motivation. I tossed the talker into coming home scenario and was already readdressing the get her drunk option when Lash hit the first set of speed bumps into the parking lot of the motel. When he pulled to a stop, I grabbed my fuck stick and opened the door. You want to wait here? No, Lash. Do you? Yeah, actually. But I'll join you to hasten things along. I feel a shit coming on. Glad to know everything's in working order. Want to discuss your last colonoscopy, or should we just get in there and find out which room she's in? If you'd prefer, I can start banging on doors after you point me in the right direction and give me a push. You're a pain in the ass, Morneau. No wonder Carla ran off to play detective. You're about as fun to be around as my cousin when he gets to talking politics. He's one of those libertarians, so I shouldn't have to say more. That hurts, Slash. You've wounded me. Lash grabbed my elbow and shoved me ahead of him. Straight ahead, 15 paces. Should we get rooms now, or are you still hoping God sees fit to favor you with a blessing today? I whacked around in front of me until a fuck stick hit something solid, and I figured we were at a door. I fumbled around and found a handle, pulling it open amid the half-hearted cheering of bells attached to the door above me. I'm going to spare you the details of our encounter with the stoned kid that checked us in. Suffice to say, this wasn't the kind of place you brought your mistress for a little afternoon delight. Comfortable in the knowledge that the desk clerk would guard your indiscretion by refusing to give out guest names. I asked what room Carla Danning was staying in. He ummed and hud and flipped a page and then said, Eight, down there. This he said, presumably, to the blind person standing in front of him who'd asked the question. 
Room 8 was empty. Of course it was. We didn't ascertain this immediately, but after knocking, waiting patiently, knocking some more, becoming increasingly irritated, then banging a little more, Lash went back to the office to get a key. When Lash came back, he asked me to remind him what kind of car Carla had. I described it to him, and he informed me it was parked two spaces over. Then he pushed past me and unlocked the door as I held my breath and hoped she wasn't in there. Bless Lash and his fondness for word economy. She's not here. I don't see shoes or jacket. Bag with some clothes on the floor. Laptops on the bed next to a candy bar wrapper. An empty can of sodas on the nightstand next to a questionable stain. It's not fresh. I don't see her purse. Her phone's sitting on the bed under a stack of some paperwork. Looks like copies of... City Council meeting minutes. Three years worth by Carla's account. Give me her phone. Lash handed it to me and I dropped it in my pocket. I heard Lash move across the room, presumably to check the bathroom. Looks like she did something to her face. What? I spun around in the direction of his voice. Makeup and whatnot scattered around the bathroom sink. Jeez, Lash. Maybe lead with that, huh? Because the impression the blind guy got on hearing she did something to her face was that you were looking at a sink full of Carla's face. Or at least parts of it. Settle down, Morneau. She probably went to get something to eat. Hell with your secretary. It's just as likely she took a walk downtown and happened upon a jazzercise class in progress and decided to join the festivities. Why is she looking at the city council? I don't know, Lash. Because she can. It's why Carla does anything these days. She's decided that something nefarious was afoot with the mother of the deceased, who was the city clerk and treasurer at the time of the murder. She mentioned corruption and bribery. Hell, I don't know. You start digging into the financial affairs of any small town and you'll surface with your hands covered in sludge. What Carla is doing is unearthing a pile of shit that has absolutely nothing to do with the murder she's investigating. I'm gonna kill that damned waitress. Oh, right. The one at the bar. That Lola. That's where this is coming from, huh? That's where this is coming from. In fact, let's head over there. I'd like a beer. If Carla isn't there, maybe Lola can tell us where to find her. I want to stop at the office first and see if the burnout saw which way she went. Is the office facing the street? Yep. We walked back down to chat with Cheech. First, I refreshed his memory regarding who I was asking about, since it appeared he was having trouble putting together the fact that the gal in room 8, whose room key he had just given Lash, was the one I was currently describing. Stay off the drugs, kids. Short, red hair, cute, if memory serves. She probably had been walking. Any of this ring a bell? Oh yeah, she went that way. Lash? The dunderhead pointed north. Let's go.